What's up, guys? We're trying something a little bit new for Show Me the Meaning. We are trying out a new format, the Show Me the Meaning debates. We're still going to be doing all the regular weekly Show Me the Meaning movie breakdowns, but we also want to try something a little bit different. So today we are taking the Wisecrack crew and we are duking it out as to what is the better star franchise, Star Wars versus Star Trek, in as smart and entertaining a way as possible. So I'm going to give it to our esteemed judge, Ryan, to take it away. Let us know what you guys think, and thanks for listening. Hello, Internet. This is the Show Me the Meaning Wisecrack Movie Debates. First one. So here's what's going to be happening, okay? We are having a Star Wars versus Star Trek movie debate. Two teams... Uh, and here's the structure of this debate. We're going to have opening arguments. Then we're going to have four questions. Each side's going to get a four-minute argument, a two-minute rebuttal, and then a one-minute free-for-all discussion at the end of each round. Okay, then we're going to have a lightning round. I'm going to be rewarding one point for each round, and it's at my sole discretion. I'm the only judge. Judge Ryan over here, your honor. Okay, address me as your honor, or you will get a point docked off. <laughs> now... For all you listening out there, if you totally disagree and think uh, that my uh, that my champion at the end that I pick is total bullshit, there is going to be an audience award at the end of this. You can vote on Patreon for who you think actually won this debate, even though my pick will be the, the actual objective winner. Anyway, let's get to introducing both sides. Okay. In the left corner, with 10 movies, one TV cartoon TV series— and hundreds of books no longer in the canon, from a galaxy far, far away, it's the Star Wars team! Yeah! We shoot first! Jared and Mike Burns. Say hi, everybody. What's up, man? This is no contest. We got this. Very <laughs> confident. Just recklessly confident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I have a soundboard at my discretion as well. Okay, and now, in the other corner, with 14 movies seven TV series, and also hundreds of books that I've never met anyone that reads, <laughs> where no man has gone before, the Star Trek team! Woo! 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 Re it's Rebecca and Alec. Say hi. Hello. We have hi, a, a much lower energy than this. Yeah, we clearly States. do. We clearly do. <laughs> but I've got some Klingon in my back pocket, so, you know, Kapla made the best, made the best one win. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. May the best star-related franchise win. <laughs> All right, everybody, we flipped a coin before uh, this podcast and Star Wars Team won, so they uh, opted to do their opening statement first. Now, remember, the central question that you have to answer is, is Star Wars or is Star Trek better? It's up to you to persuade me, and Star Wars Team first, why is Star Wars better? Go. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, your graciousness knows no bounds. Um, <laughs> we so bow before you. Star Wars is an essential part of our culture. Star Wars, specifically American culture, but more broadly, the essential elements that make up Star Wars are near universal. When a new Star Wars movie comes out, it's not just a movie, it's a cultural event. Star Wars is a world. It's a universe that people have enjoyed exploring across a multitude of mediums. And I think one of the things that speaks to the ubiquity of Star Wars and how amazing it is is that whenever Star like Star Wars is the best thing in a multitude of mediums. So Empire Strikes Back, widely considered one of the best movies ever. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is considered one of the best games of that console generation, and depending on who you ask, one of the best games ever made. Star Wars Heir to the Empire is a very widely renowned book, and Star Wars The Old Republic is a thriving MMORPG community. The Star Wars universe, the Star Wars world, is endlessly fruitful. When VR is coming up, you know, there's going to be some of the best VR games are going to be Star Wars. It says something about a franchise when it can be amazing throughout all different kinds of platforms, all different kinds of mediums. And it's only something this amazing 
that can achieve something like that. You can't say that for pretty much any other IP. To begin, I would just like to quote um, Jay-Z, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. So if you just want to look at the numbers that the Star Wars franchise has done at the box office, that can already tell us something in numerical and financial form about how much people in this country and around the world love Star Wars. And I'd also say that it's a superior franchise and better set of films than Star Trek, as it truly is a humanist masterpiece. Now, rather than presenting stories that are just meant to tickle our intellect, it constructs a narrative that primarily appeals to the heart and the soul of the human person. Now, does the science always check out? Of course not. Does it flirt with incest? Definitely. <laughs> but at its core, it tells a relatable story that centers around the capacity of a small group of virtuous human beings banding together to fight against forces of organized evil and injustice. And while some of our heroes come from a genetically aristocratic lineage, which in fairness... The recent films have reckoned with this problem in important ways, and I think the ability to course correct is important. In each case, these aristocratic people are willing to sacrifice their privilege to fight alongside the intergalactic rabble, thus producing stories that appeal to humans now, then, and potentially forever. As long as there is injustice, as long as there are those struggling to belong and fighting for what is right, Star Wars, oh Star Wars, will remain an important part of our our, our culture. Sorry, I got verklempt because I'm about to cry. Thank you. <laughs> Bravo. 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 All right. Well, Star Trek, you got a lot to uh, live up to there. Um, they made a very compelling case about why Star Wars is better. Um, go, Star Trek. Well, thank you, Your Honor, and thank you for bringing us here today. Uh, my esteemed opponents who are utterly wrong. I'd like to open my argument with uh, one piece of evidence, Jar Jar Binks, I rest my case, goodbye. <laughs> but actually, <laughs> besides that cinematic abomination, uh, there are many other reasons Star Trek is better. Uh, first and foremost, it's a it's a smarter show. Uh, I know uh, the Burninator just took uh, some jabs at this, but it does tickle your intellect in ways that are, are profound and challenging that may, uh, force us to ask basic questions about what it means to be human, how to interact with the world, uh, about politics, whereas I think Star, uh, Star Wars just tells uh, infantile view, views of good and evil uh, and may inspire you to, you know, find hope in fighting bad guys. But, you know, who are those bad guys? And those are the, the smart questions Star Trek gets into. I will also say that our fans are better, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I, I just want to respond to uh, a couple of the things, which is that, you know, Jared says that Star Wars is an essential part of our culture, that it's a cultural event. But I would say that just being uh, so popular does not necessarily make something better. In fact, we could also look at something like The Bachelor as a cultural event. So I'd ask you, Your Honor, to uh, keep that in mind. Jared points out The Empire Strikes Back is one of the best movies. I don't think it has shit on Wrath of Khan, the original one. And as far as video games, I will concede that Star Trek doesn't have quite as many good video games, but I've heard great things about Star Trek Bridge Crew, which I know you, Your Honor, play all the time. I fucking love Star Trek. Hey, don't do this. That's, 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 uh... Line crosser. (laughs) Your Honor, this is collusion. (laughs) He's making a very compelling argument. Is that, uh, do you rest your case? Uh, yeah, so so just to, to briefly conclude, I think uh, Star Trek asked the hard questions. Uh, it has always been ahead of its time in asking these questions and is a better way, uh, a better sort of piece of literature to understand our world and engage with the world. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Star Trek side. All right, well, after, after deliberating for three seconds after you uh, just uh, concluded your case, I've come to my first point that I'm going to be rewarding. Star Wars, I heard a lot about how awesome Star Wars was. I heard less about how it was better than Star Trek. Star Trek, you gave a lot of very good answers about why it was, why even though Star Wars is more popular, it it doesn't make it better. You also gave a very compelling kicker of a Jar Jar Binks argument. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, I love Star Trek Bridge Crew, so the first point gets awarded to the Star Trek team. Fuck yeah. Smell collusion. (laughs) Okay, everybody. So, first point. Good job, everybody. Star Trek. All right. Now we're going to get to the first long-form discussion point. Okay? 
So since uh, Star Wars went first in the first round, we're going to get Star Trek to go first in the second round. I mean, I mean in, this, in this first question. So the first question I'm going to ask you guys is, which property deals with the question of good and evil better? Alec had alluded to it earlier. Now, Star Trek team, your, your team would go. Rebecca or Alec, move on with, your, uh, with the first point. Okay. Thank you so much, Your Honor. So basically, of course, there are some bad eggs in our universe, um, as there are in every universe. But mostly Star Trek seems to take this really interesting view that people are created by the systems that they live in, like their political systems, their relationships, their like cultural, economic, and religious institutions, etc. So the relationship between the individual and the system is a kind of complex one. And most of the blame for something like evil, although as I'll suggest in a minute, it's a lot more complex than just, you know, light side, dark side, good, evil. Um, most of the weight and the, and the burden for justice comes uh, down on the side of systems, basically. So I'm thinking here of a few examples in particular, like take the Ferengi, the large eared, uh, basically venture capitalists of the Star Trek universe. They are like a pretty egregious group of individuals. Um, but really we, what we see is in a lot of the Star Trek episodes is an analysis of the system that the Ferengi are part of. So nobody really blames like individual Ferengi for being just absolutely like stupidly, uh, almost like a parody, right? They're so selfish, it's ridiculous. And nobody blames them individually for that, right? They talk about the relationship between those individual Ferengi and their culture. Um, and the system that made them the way that they are. So, yeah, so most people aren't good or bad. Um, it's kind of a bit more, bit more complex than that. Um, I think you could also talk about something like uh, Khan, right, this super famous bad guy. Uh, we've just had seen him in one of the remake movies. And he's basically also understood to be part of uh, a really bad system. He was part of the eugenics wars, um, and he was more or less bred to be a dick. So... Nobody really thinks of him as somehow essentially evil, but as, again, a product of the system that made him. So, of course, not everybody is just like some automaton. Um, they're obviously responding to these systems with some degree of liberty, um, and they're responding with some novel ways, or they're, like, rebelling against the system. So, for example, like, Quark's mom is this Ferengi who is constantly shirking the rules. And then, of course, we have the famous Prime Directive, which um, everybody in all of the seasons is constantly wrestling with. Um, you know, and the list could go on. But either way, the responsibility doesn't really fall on these individuals to be like perfect or to be good or bad. The responsibility falls on the systems to improve. So unlike Star Wars, which relies on this bad assumption that there's a, a very clear line between what counts as good and what counts as evil, um, and then also makes the false assumption that people do evil because it's some part of their nature, because they're just bad or angry, Star Trek seems to imagine a world where humans, and indeed all species, can kind of be their best selves once the systems right, that they're part of are, are better. So like, once poverty, racism, and sexism have been eliminated, you get something like the Federation, right? And presumably its population then um, is a bit healthier. So as a result of this nuanced uh, version of good and evil, um, it seems like most of the conflicts in Star Trek take on this really complicated... Um, position on ideological differences rather than like that person is just bad. So yeah, just to reiterate, so it seems like it's the systems or ideologies that can be evil or bad. And also they tend to not make such fine distinctions between evil and bad. In other words, they kind of rep represent the more complex nature of reality. Um, and also they aren't usually blaming individuals, which I think is a really... Um, is a really moral and, uh, and, uh, and correct political position to take on the nature of power and the nature of um, individuals within systems. So that's what I have to say. Very interesting. Thank you. Hmm. Your Honor, if I may retort. Um, yes, you may retort. Go for it, Jared. So, Your Honor, by the way, I want to say that you're looking quite dapper today. Oh, my, but, really? But, but, <laughs> but uh, um, aside from that, I'd like to bring up something that you so wisely said in our Matrix Reloaded podcast, and that is Go on. that we're talking about what is better here, not necessarily what's more interesting. Mm -hmm. And as you so wisely said, that as, just as we talked about how the Matrix Reloaded talks about the uh, evil nature of systems, 
uh, that doesn't necessarily make for a good movie because what we're talking about is what is cinematic or what makes for the best, the most optimized piece of entertainment. And if an easy delineation between good and evil is more cinematic or more uh, compelling like the original Matrix was to The Matrix Reloaded, then I don't think that us saying that it's more complicated or more nuanced necessarily means that it's a better property. And if I may also say that even if you were to make that decision, as uh, my brilliant colleague Mr. Burns brought up earlier— Holly. Uh, the Last Jedi has made a change in that you could argue that the delineation between good and evil is being blurred by a character such as Kylo Ren and, uh, you know, other, you can say that they do uh, criticize systems in The Last Jedi with, you know, the the one percenters and the uh, animal abuse things and the uh, whole thing about arms races and stuff like that and how the arms dealer will not only sell to the Rebellion but also to the Empire. So everything that Rebecca said it could be applied to superior property Star Wars as well. Is lit. <laughs> um, I, rest, I, rest, I rest my case, Your Honor. All right, Star Trek, do you have a rebuttal to that? Oh, I have a, I have a rebuttal to that rebuttal. Um, so Jared says, and I think rightly, that what is more interesting isn't ne- doesn't necessarily make for a good movie or, you know, in this case, I would also say a good TV because that's what Star Trek uh, is. But I will say that, you know, the question we've come here to ask Uh, for this specific topic is what does a better job of exploring the question of evil not which one is more entertaining and I'll just say on the question what one's more entertaining I'll take uh, Star Trek First Contact any day or Wrath of Khan any day over any Star Wars but but that's not the question we're here to ask as as far as the question of evil I think to to sort of expand on what Rebecca said is we have like really interesting things like uh, so in Star Trek they encounter species that uh enslave uh you know parts of their planet and they have rules about not interfering with uh, certain sort of primitive planets and they have to grapple with really intense questions like oh uh you know i've the whole federation does not intervene in places but i see an evil thing going on what is my sort of civic responsibility and we sort of feel it uh in, in another episode uh an android that is sentient uh the a scientist tries to disassemble it so it makes you raise the question of what makes something human or deserving of rights and i think when we're talking about evil it's not i'm a bad person with bad intentions it often comes along with these ideological questions what is human who deserves rights um you know, what is our role in dealing with what we see as an injustice? Is there sort of a overbearing when we see an injustice and respond to it? We've seen uh, in real life lots of uh, good intentions leading to all kinds of terrible things. And Star Trek grapples with those. All that the Star Wars gets you to is, oh, we should fight fight the bad men uh, in whatever, whatever way possible. Jared says that The Last Jedi has changed, it's blurred them. But I'll say, first of all, The Last Jedi is a movie that the fans have entirely disavowed, or a lot of them have. And I'll also say in the context of the actual plot it doesn't make sense uh you know luke kind of luke explores this sort of uh how the force is comprised of both the good uh sorry the light side and the dark side but at the end after he's disavowed the legend of luke skywalker just reaffirms it as kids start playing uh, and telling stories about luke skywalker the legend so it tries to do it but then backpedals by the end of the movie uh so i don't think that really counts and yeah, there's Benicio del Toro's character and the arms dealer and stuff like that. But, you know, Star Trek, that that is one small part of one movie, whereas every single episode and every single movie of Star Trek, except the new ones, which suck, you know, are diving into this. That's what I have to say. Okay, very interesting. Now's the part of the round where uh, if there was anything else left on the table that you either wanted to discuss, you have one well, minute. Well, I haven't, I would, I haven't oh. done our, our oh. we haven't answered our question yet. Or we haven't answered the question yet. How does you, our property deal with evil? Oh, because you were rebutting them. I was okay. just rebutting them. Can, gotcha. can I also rebut them just really quickly? Oh, yeah. Go for a mic. Well, I'd just like to say that, um, of course, we can talk about the importance of, of analyzing things at a large-scale systematic level. But from Plato through St. Augustine up until Immanuel Kant, we know the question of evil is primarily one of the human being herself and how the human takes freedom and responsibility to bear on the world around them. Often systematic structures can sort of take us away from the individual responsibility and the choices made by humans, which Star Wars gets at very well. Wait, when we Burns, think about I have a question. French... How many of those um, people... Did I, did I interrupt you? Did sorry. I, did I interrupt yeah, you? Yeah, excuse me, sir. Did I interrupt you? Excuse me, sir. <laughs> What's sorry, that? Sorry. Wow. Wow. Typical New Yorker. 
I'm Move talking on. here. Move on, prosecutor. Sorry about that. Sorry, I got emotional. I would just like to say as well, when we look back at some of the historical moments of revolution in human history, I'm thinking here of the Haitian Revolution and the French Revolution. They operated on simple principles of liberty and freedom, not overwrought distinctions. And we could waste our time talking about debates about what makes a machine human, but people are dying in this world. And if you want to waste time on those debates while people on other planets starve, that's fine. But I, I, I can't have that blood on my hands. Interesting <laughs> argument. Um, okay, so Jared, you have your uh, argument about why Star Wars does a better job with dealing with good and evil. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, so I want to uh, talk more about uh, going off of what my esteemed colleague said is that I want to talk more about impact rather than philosophy because none of this philosophy means anything if the message doesn't get through. It's less about what it says and more about how. And I want to talk about Star Wars as something that is very essential to its medium, which is cinema. Cinema is a very individualistic art form. And what do I mean by that? The the build, essential building block of cinema is the close-up. The close-up is what allows us to project ourselves onto the protagonist and go along with him on his journey. This is why Soviet-era films that try to tell stories about groups are largely ineffectual and have largely been forgotten by time. So, we can talk about how in Star Trek, you know, we're always going through these big philosophical questions with a, a federation, which is just this government that makes these decisions. But ultimately, Star Wars is much more effective in focusing on the interior journey of overcoming evil, which I will argue is the optimal narrative to tell in this medium. So with Luke Skywalker and Anakin to a lesser extent, we experience firsthand how passion, desire, and anger can seduce one into doing bad things. Luke must uphold his ideas through discipline. And when we talk about the question of good and evil, yeah, we can talk, we can theorize all this stuff, we can talk about all the nuances of philosophy, but to my esteemed colleague's point, what matters is the way that we create change in the world is through is through the individual. We have to give these individual experiences, and by giving... Um, by seeing a protagonist on the screen who is a centralized person that we identify with on the screen, wrestle with good and evil, wrestle with his desires and everything, we're able to actually come away with a lesson that, you know, really speaks to people that don't have fucking philosophy degrees, you know? So we see emotionally how even the darkest evil can be brought back to life with the character of Darth Vader. This is a masterful application of the monomyth that resonates with, the, with us as... As, as kind of primordial beings, this story structure is ingrained in our heads, and that's what makes Star Wars more, it's more effective and it's more inspiring to your average person as to how they should make choices in their life. It functions as a cultural totem that people can constantly refer back to, that can inspire them to find calm when anger is leading them down a bad path. And you know what, that's, and talking about all the nuances of uh, systems and everything, that's not going to change an individual's choices. That's not going to cause uh, long-term change. It's really just going to pander to a bunch of, uh, you know, s just smarmy intellectuals and shit like that. So, um, yeah. So uh, I think that it is the most effective dealing with the question of evil that affects everybody universally on a very powerful and fundamental way that we can all identify with and we can all apply practically to our everyday lives. Wow. Wow. Star Trek. I'd like to hear your rebuttal oh my of God. that. Guys, it's Star hot Trek. in the studio right now. You Alec, don't know, but it's hot. Should I take this? Uh, if you want or I can. Whatever you want. So first of all, I want to refute this last point that it uh, has some kind of universal appeal because, in fact, I think the entire reason we're here is because it doesn't have universal appeal. And there are, in fact, a lot of people who don't seem to get out of Star Wars um, any meaningful way of addressing the world, right? The world seems a little bit more complicated to a lot of us, especially people who are undergoing oppression. It's not always just black and white, right? You can be oppressor and oppressed at the same time, and that's not a good or evil situation. It's much more complicated. You find this in uh, black communities that are trying to deal with this, um, right? And even in the communities you mentioned who are doing revolution. So I, first of all, want to refute this idea that there's some kind of universality to Star Wars. That is that is just the sort of thing the dark side would say. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
but um, but I also want to say right to this to this point about again something like complexity, right? So in a way, right, the people who are, want to argue Star Trek is better basically think that Star Wars is like repeatedly they're just fighting Nazis. Like Nazis are just you know they're just everywhere. It's like Nazis in space. It's their tagline, right? And they're just <laughs> undeniably evil individuals. And so then of course the struggle is for individuals to figure out how they can resist this. But again, we want to, we need to think about this in the larger context of what's happening in the universe at the time, right? Because different populations are responding in different ways. And I think in particular, it's interesting to think of something like Hannah Arendt's response to the Nazis, right? She, she went to this trial, um, Eichmann's trial, and, and really realized that it, the evil that she thought was happening, right? This like absolutely unprecedented evil turns out not to be happening in some like big, like, you know, trans historical universal sense. It's not that kind of evil. It's actually just like a, a bunch of minor individuals who have failed to negotiate their relationship to the system in a very ethical way. And they've created this huge, huge, huge system that we see as being absolutely undeniably evil, but in fact, isn't. Or in fact, that's not that's not the proper diagnosis of it. Instead, we need to be talking about how individuals relate to these systems. And so again, I think that it's it doesn't quite do it justice, doesn't do quite to to Star Trek justice to say that it's only talking about these really complicated um, ways of of thinking about ethics, because really it's trying to get at precisely this relationship between individuals and systems um, to see, like, do we are we going to say everybody who has ever participated in the Nazi thing is totally morally corrupt and absolutely evil? Or are yes. we going to say, actually, it's more complex than that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. that And that might be fair. That might be fair. But, right, if we really want, if we really want to stop this sort of thing from happening again, right, which I think is our goal, right, not just to condemn Nazis, but to say, how can we prevent this from happening? We need to be able to imagine a much more complex relationship between propaganda and individuals or between right the systems that uh you know school systems or whatever right so again it's about thinking about the much more complex relationships between systems and individuals than just like that individual individually sitting in its house wrestling with what's good and what's bad kind of in an internal way that's not really going to help prevent anything in the future okay and that's it alec and I, Your Honor, and I, I'd like to say that she only uh, reinforced my point by uh, name-dropping Hannah Arendt, which is not something that uh, your average filmmaker uh, knows or cares about. And uh, I'll also say that uh, Nazi that apologism is, has no place in this courtroom. Yeah, Your Honor, I must also say that the uh, apology for the Nazis, and I think the implication that but some Nazis were good. Uh, I didn't offensive. say that. And I didn't say that. I just want to make clear that. All right, Your Honor, if I can, if I I can that's, finish. I think, I think that's the kind of speech. slippery slope that a property like Star slippery. Trek can, uh, can lead us to. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I will say that, that Jared has inadvertently uh, sort of proved our point. Uh, to Rebecca's point, Star Wars is this very simple view of good and evil. There's good guys uh, and, and there's good guys, bad guys and good guys. And what he says is like, uh, we can look sort of at the struggle of Luke and see without a philosophy degree. First of all, you don't need a philosophy degree to appreciate Star Trek. Uh, but Jared points to the example, Luke knows discipline and also that uh, anger can lead you down, down places. And just to prove that this is a bad view of how evil works, the fact that discipline makes you good is such an insane idea. I'm sure there's lots of terrible people like that who are entirely disciplined. I'm sure Hitler was like, disciplined. Like Nazis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, discipline is literally everywhere throughout the ranks of the stormtroopers. Uh, as far as anger, you know, uh, the, Mr. Burdenator, uh, you rightly point out the Haitian Revolution, or we could even look at something like the American Revolution or any revolution and find that anger is what causes people to rise up uh, and fight the evil and create a better society for themselves. So if anything, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars is teaching us to suppress anger because it's bad, which I would disagree with. And that discipline means you're good. And I completely disagree with that. And as far as general cultural impact, there's so many scientists, astronauts, uh, and as uh, well as politicians who have said that Star Trek has inspired them. Um, and name, uh, please name yeah, five, name five astronauts who have said Star Trek has inspired them. I will Google it. When are these space no, uh, force members or astronauts? <laughs> uh, uh, your honor, there, if you would like no, to fact no, check no this Google at machines. any point in your del del deliberation. Oh, I looked uh, this I'm, up. I'm, it's I'm it's Joe it, Lieberman it is the one who said Star Trek is important. <laughs> Joe Lieberman. Um, <laughs> It's famously inspired Whoopi Goldberg, but I'll get into that later. She's not a yes. astronaut. Um, uh, we're, we're fine without having her on our the, team. The, the, sorry, last, the last part that Jared said that I, I just want to address is that he says it's about sort of 
the interior sh- journey of overcoming evil in the in Luke Skywalker or in, in Ray or any of these people. Uh, but Star Trek, uh, Jared, I think wrongly uh, painted it as about the government of the Federation. And sure, that's in there. But really, when you look at the crew or, the, uh, or say, the captain like Jean-Luc Picard or Captain Kirk, it's about their interior struggles. And there's such amazing uh, things in this. So Picard becomes assimilated by th- this like hive mind, the Borg, uh, and then is unassimilated and has to wrestle with these old memories of him being part of this hive mind then you have spock the sort of hyperlogical vulcan uh is always saying the the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few uh but then sacrifices himself for his best friend and there's like a very tender moment in that um but all throughout star trek it's the captains sort of grappling with and wrestling with in a very sort of uh psychological way uh the the things that they have to 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 juggle and I rest my case around. Yeah, and recognizing that those that they may make a decision that is like kind of right or mostly right, but there is there often are circumstances where there is no absolute right decision or absolute wrong decision, and there's a moral ambiguity there that I think is extremely relatable for a lot of people. Uh, is there is there room for a final comment, Your Honor? All right. Make it quick. We got 30 <laughs> seconds for final comments. The studio I'm in currently still smells like pizza. Pizza is a universally adored culinary treat. A simple pizza can often be made of about four or five ingredients, flour, water, fresh tomatoes, and some fresh mozzarella. So why is pizza so famous? For its complexity, for the way it handles systematic culinary concepts? No, for its simplis- sim- simple and relatable structure that's been satisfying humans for years and will continue to do so. The privileging of complexity as a good thing and they're talking down to simplicity as a bad thing is insane. insane. I do love pizza. That was compelling. Bonjour, no. Okay. So, I think we've all said we all what we've all said what we, what we want to say about question 1, right? So now yes, it's my time I, uh, to deliberate. I'm deliberate for 3 seconds. Um I'll take your time, your honor. 1 2 3. Okay. I have my decision. So, here's my decision everybody. You first of all, first off, good job. You've both made very compelling arguments. Now, Jared, when you said, when you first said, what is better is not necessarily most interesting. In my head, I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Because <laughs> I'm like, what is interesting sometimes is more better. But then, as you started talking and, and breaking it down, I was like, I, I started to understand. Like he just made about the pizza argument. You know, if 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 you're you're the philosophy in your show can be so complex, but if no one can understand it, if it doesn't make, if no one watches it, then who cares, right? Like the Matrix Reloaded, you're on. And you know, I remember True. growing up. I remember being a little boy, uh, growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I remember I used to watch TV shows in the bathtub, and sometimes Star Trek would come on, and there'd be Klingons and weird-looking aliens. I go, "Wow, this looks cool. I want to watch it." And I'd watch for about five minutes, mm-hmm. and then I. I would be so lost, would not know know what was going on. It was just a bunch of adults talking in a spaceship, basically, that I would turn it off. Even even if it was the most well-written thing, it did not matter. So I do take your point about impact about uh, on this well. Not not necessarily meaning that the most popular thing in the world means that it's the be- the best because there's a lot of shit that's popular. But I do I do point taken. So with all of that being said, oh god. Star Wars oh, takes this round. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Your Honor, you are just, you're the last Edo of this game. I really respect it. <laughs> so I I, 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 wow. I, I, wow. I, I, I agree that it probably, if you really broke it down, you know, the people in, in academia would say Star Trek does it better to a sense. But like I said, who cares if yeah, no one watches ivory, it? We don't need that ivory tower. No. Well, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize we were supposed to only be appealing to children in bathtubs. I thought it was supposed to be. <laughs> um, in case anyone appealing to uh, a broader audience. That, that was an attack on children. That was an attack on hygiene. That was an attack on populism. <laughs> that was an okay. attack on your honor. And that wow. was an attack that's on his eminency. So wow. That's so your honor. <laughs> our, our glorious, your glorious esteemed. Can I just say, oh, Star Wars is for the children. It's for the, it's for the people. <laughs> yeah. But oh, point dear. taken, though. Um, and the judge. Okay, everyone, we're going to move on to question two. It's one-to-one right now. The The question I would like to present to you both is, what is the best character of your property, and why are they memorable and relatable? Um, since Star Trek went first last, now we're going to have Star Wars go first. Jared and Mike, it's up to you. Don't go over on the time. You will be buzzed. 
Great. Alec mentioned before that some things that are popular aren't meaningful, and he referenced The Bachelor in particular. I would like to say a franchise like The Bachelor would not even exist without the most important character in the Star Wars franchise, none other than the original Bachelor of Corellia, Hans fucking Solo. Okay? Han Solo is one of the few characters in the entire franchise without magic powers or the Force, and yet he is still the most memorable of the entire franchise. It's like a Sam Peckinpah character from the West has merged with the coolest pirate you've ever seen, has the wit of sort of a, uh, a comedian from the 70s, and you put him on that goddamn ship with his giant dog friend, and adventures abound. Whew, sorry. Not only does he provide a sort of emotional and moral core in the film because he has that humanity. He goes back and forth. He changes his mind. He progresses. He also offers wit and humor that deflates the universe a bit. I haven't watched a lot of Star Trek, but it's very self-serious. I don't think I've ever laughed. There's no air to it. Han Solo brings that to the Star Wars franchise, in particular in the most recent films, not the most recent films, and the first of the most recent trilogy, in the theater, people lost their goddamn minds when Han showed up. I have never been in a film in my life where people have been that excited about someone showing up. I've also never been in a theater where people were so shocked when someone died. Now, someone might say to me in the rebuttals, but what about the horrendous film Solo? That is evidence to the importance of the original Harrison Ford Han Solo, that he was such an iconic and memorable character that no one else can capture that heat. He's also been ranked as the 14th greatest film hero of all time by AFI. And, fun fact, Bill Murray was considered for Han Solo in the original casting. <laughs> and I would also like to say that 1 through 13 are not Star Trek characters. Okay. Um, Jared, did you have anything to add to the opening statement? No, I believe my esteemed colleague really killed it. All right. Star Trek, let's hear it. Uh, rebuttal to Han Solo and then move on into your opening argument for, the, for this point. I, I will not deny that Han Solo is not a lovable, affable guy with wit and charm. I also would like to take Mike Burns' concession that Solo is a terrible movie. Uh, but I think that speaks to the only reason that Han Solo is a good character is because of Harrison Ford. As we see with another actor, it completely falls apart. When you take Chris Pine instead of William Shatner, it is still a compelling uh, James T. Kirk. When you take whatever his name is instead of Leonard Nimoy, it is still a compelling Spock. But the best Star Trek character, I think, and there's so many to choose from, is Data. Data is on the next generation, a uh, 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 humanoid android. I think uh, that's a... Uh, Yes. Uh, so he, he's a humanoid android who uh, it, it ser serves uh, on the, the bridge and is trying to figure out what it means to be human. So he doesn't really know how uh, humor works. He doesn't know how various customs work. So he's kind of like a confused interloper throughout the whole thing. Now, sure, Hansel adds sort of comedic relief at times, but Data is constantly adding comedic relief by exposing sort of the arbitrariness of how human interaction works. But also on a deeper level, deeper level, Data gets at the very core of what it means to be human. Uh, he, As he learns about human emotions and human customs, at one point he's even put on trial, as I mentioned before, uh, to see if he's deserving of rights. We're asked basic questions like, what makes me you know, more sentient than this android? And I would say, here's a little anecdote that speaks to the power of Data, if we want to talk about accessibility. One of my very good friends, who will remain nameless, is on the autism spectrum. And when he was a kid... Uh, as someone with autism, he was often unable to interpret uh, people's facial expressions, and a lot of human interactions were very puzzling to him. But when he watched Data trying to figure out uh, uh, how human interaction work, it was like his role model. He watched this person, and and people still liked Data. Uh, Data was still likable. And really, in this scary, terrible world, it gave him hope, hope in the perfect role model. And I think that is what I will just leave you all with. All right. Your Honor, may I uh, quick rebuttal? Offer a quick rebuttal. Okay, rebuttal. Go. Okay, so first off, uh, I think that the fact that William Shatner can be replaced by Chris Pine is really just testament to the idea that he's not memorable because he's replaceable. <laughs> mm. Whereas we see with Solo, when you take Han Solo, such a memorable and relatable character, which are the two words that were prompted to us, and you replace him with something else, there is a backlash. People don't accept it because Han Solo is so memorable. Whereas with 
whatever his name is, I can't even remember his name, Star Trek dude, it could be Chris Pine, it could be William Shatner, who gives a fuck? It's the same thing, people will accept it. And if I may say, Data is basically a robot. If we're talking about things that are memorable and relatable, how are we supposed to relate to a robot? And can I ask a quick clarificatory question? Sure. Is Show Me the Meaning a movie podcast or a TV podcast? <laughs> a movie podcast. Okay, was Data a movie character? Or no, TV he's character? never been in a movie. No, no, oh. he's, he's no, so no, he's, no, no. Oh, he's interesting. I'm sorry, in the new movies, the new movies. No, hey. no, oh. that's also not true. In the uh, he's in uh, Star Trek uh, seven onwards, so he's in Star Trek seven, eight, and then I think it goes to nine. Uh, uh, so yeah, excuse me, I'm talking three. about the J.J. Abrams movies. He's not in those. In those no. movies yeah, suck. because he's because he's forgettable. Because you would think that a studio on. who what? wants to optimize <laughs> the <laughs> amount of money they make would include all the memorable characters, but yet they just left that on the table because huh. nobody cares. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's wow, a bullshit. That's reason, not. You know. That's not. Makes really, you yeah, think. that's not really how it works. So there are different times. So here's the thing. So Star Trek takes. Oh, there place are different times. Just like Leonard different... Nimoy is in a different time period. Well, they made that work uh, <laughs> by different times. I think, <laughs> Your Honor, have we gone over the time for this? It's kind of digressing uh, here. No, yeah. at this Wait, point, do I get a rebuttal to the? Yeah, just go for it. Yeah, we're f it's free for all time. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so f first of all, I just. He's an android, okay? Not a robot. So, I mean, I hate to be like the nerd that needs to make that distinction right now, but I'm going to make it. So he's an android. And I think to your point about, I mean, I think to your point about being relatable, it's it's, it's kind of a bit cruel to suggest that he's not relatable, given the story that Alec just said about his, his friend who's on the aut <laughs> autistic spectrum. So that's pretty low of you, Jared. I just got to say that. Um, but furthermore, I think that part of what, I mean, to kind of double down and repeat Alex's point, right? Part of the thing that makes Data so compelling is because he is struggling constantly to find out what humanity is, right? We think, we watch these movies, we think we know what it is. It's this kind of basic struggle between good and evil, right? To be the right kind of person, etc. And Data really complicates that quite a lot. Not only does he complicate it, by trying to show us things like, hey, the precarity that we have, right, or our vulnerability is actually a really good thing, even when it sucks for us, right, because data doesn't have it. So he's constantly pointing to these attributes of humanity that we don't typically notice and giving us like this real ability to say, hey, that actually is kind of special. But in addition to that, he shows us that humans aren't the only beings that have that kind of thing, right? He's a, because he's beyond the human spectrum, but he's nevertheless still valuable. And I think that's a really, that's a profoundly human, right, struggle. Okay. Wait, can I can I just say like Rebecca's completely changed my mind. I need to confess right now in this debate, you win. C three PO with skin is a great character, um, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Wow. I, I have a five second rebuttal to one point Jared make, which is that All William right, five Shatner's, seconds. William Shatner's replaceable means that uh, Kirk that it's shitty, but that's like saying that Macbeth is a bad character because so many uh, characters have oh. played him. It's a here, testament here. to how shitty George Lucas is of a writer that as soon as you take away the good actor, it becomes a shitty character. Yeah, but Mac here, here. Macbeth here, doesn't here. have an initial player that has always played him and defined the character. We we know Shakespeare through text, not through performance. Boom. And speaks to the right. Okay. All right, y'all. I think on. I think we've uh, uh, y'all have exhausted that one, and I'm gonna now. <laughs> and, and and on top of that, Jesus. I not only I, I think you both totally fucked this question up. All right, both sides <laughs> made awful awful arguments this time. Okay, I think honestly missed the point. <laughs> Right, okay. So the, the question was, what is the best character of your property, and why are they memorable and relatable? Okay, so for one, um, starts on the Star Wars side. Your whole point about the 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 about Han Solo only having one actor and that makes him more memorable than the other one. That total bullshit. Okay, because <laughs> in fact, it's the opposite. It, I, it's Alex's point I, uh, uh, that that the more people that can play him, good. The, the more memorable the character is. It's not the actor, it's the character. Not the performance, the character. So, anyway, I, uh, th that's one point against y'all. Then, on the other side, most memorable, like they said, who the fuck remembers Data? I barely remembered him, like, when you just, until you brought him up. I You're go, oh, yeah, Data, I like that android. Yeah, you know? Like, that doesn't mean he's not necessarily the best, but in, ter but in terms of the memorable, you really should have gone with Spock, one of the main, <laughs> the memorable people. You know? Like, uh, so anyway, that's where I think y'all fucked up. So when I take both of those, the, the central question was, who convinced me, if I had never heard of Star Wars or Star Trek, who just convinced me that what the best character of your property was... And in that sense, 
While Han Solo is by far the more memorable, I think that you got Star Trek made a pretty damn good argument. Oh my God. The Data is oh a pretty damn God. cool character. That you couldn't yeah. even remember. Wow. Even though I couldn't remember him, wow. he's the best character because of all the reasons that y'all just said. So Star Trek, good job. Wow. Thank you, Your Honor. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. This is Thank you. Fun. Wow. All right. It's like being on a trial in the Stalinist era. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> hey. So here's our last discussion question. Uh, remember, the central question is. Which is better, Star Wars or Star Trek? Now, in terms of the impact, this question is, convince me how in 30 years your property will be more relevant than the other. And we're going to begin with Star Wars on this round. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, this one's a, a, an easy one. So quite simply, uh, there's a couple reasons why uh, Star Wars will be more relevant than Star Trek in 30 years. Quite simply, Disney it does not own Star Trek. Disney owns Star Wars. And they are going to make that IP more ubiquitous than Lucas ever did. There's going to be Star Wars land in Disney World and Disneyland. There's going to be multiple trilogies, TV shows. There's going to be more games than ever. People are just going to be aware of Star Wars more than ever. Now, another thing is that Star Wars has exhibited more elasticity in terms of content. So with The Last Jedi, what we've discussed before, the mold has been broken and the franchise has been liberated to really be anything. So like it or not, Ryan Johnson did kill the past. The, fran the franchise now has the leeway to comment on contemporary political and social issues that can be very zeitgeisty. For what so, so whatever Alec and uh, Rebecca say about Star Trek and how it's so profound and how it can uh, comment on contemporary systems and contemporary political issues. Well, guess what? Star, Star Wars is coming that way, and uh, it's not going to stop. Um, whereas Star Trek has kind of always adhered to the benevolent federation that spreads peace, Star Wars is going to be able to branch out and do all sorts of other stuff. Now, another thing, and this is the ace in the hole, lightsabers. Lightsabers... Nothing is cooler than a lightsaber. Nothing in Star Trek is nearly as cool as a lightsaber. What do they have, fucking stun guns? Once a scientist figures out how to make a beam of light come out of a stick, it will be the best-selling commodity of all time. And once that happens, it's game over. Everyone's going to have a fucking lightsaber. Now, another one <laughs> I'm going to bring up in the next 30 years is virtual reality. So earlier I mentioned how Star Wars has proven that it can make incredible pieces of content throughout all different mediums. And VR is going to be a big one. We've already seen how it's created one of the best RPGs of all time. And we've also seen how it's created one of the best MMORPGs in time. So Star Wars has a track record of being able to mold its rich world to new mediums and formats, and once the VR revolution truly comes, you better bet your ass that we're all going to be having a mass exodus to the Star Wars world. No one's going to want to do a Star Trek world for the same reason. People want fucking lightsabers. And the last thing I'll say is Star Wars's its embrace of Eastern philosophy. In a time of accelerating technological development and increasing anxiety, the Taoist-inspired ideology of the Force will be more essential than ever. I rest my case. Okay. Wow. Compelling argument. Star Trek, would you like to rebut and then go into your argument? So, you know, I'm going to concede that you do make a few good uh, points there, Jared, although I do think some of them might be a bit contradictory. So, first of all, you say that you think that Star Wars is going to be... Um, one of the most relevant properties because everybody's going to want a lightsaber and because of all this technology, right? Like build these building new, new worlds. But then you say your last point was that actually what's interesting about Star Wars is that it embraces Eastern philosophy, which kind of also like shirks off all of these um, things in the external world, especially things like technology. So I'm not sure how those two things are going to be able to go together um, in the future, in the next 30 years or so. I also want to say that I think it's a bit unfair to to act as if Star Trek has always portrayed the Federation as good, um, as if Star Wars can open up into kind of anything, uh, and and uh, and Star Trek can't, because especially in this last in the most recent 
uh, Star Trek Discovery stuff, you actually see that the Federation is perceived as largely bad, right? And the Klingons see the Federation as a colonial force that they need to try and resist. So I think that actually there is there is something happening in Star Trek that's trying to complicate the, the role of the Federation. Um, and sure, maybe Star Wars has that too. Maybe it's not as interesting, but they have it. Um, and then I also want to say that I, I just, just because Disney owns something, right, it might still be more relevant, but it might be relevant in the way that like, I don't know, poop emojis are relevant, you know, like lots of things can Super be trendy. relevant, but not, but yeah, I'm not sure that's the trendiest thing out there. I'm, you know, but um, so lots of things can be relevant, but they're relevant in a really corporate way, which means I'm not sure they're going to necessarily be relevant to the individual, to the, to the, to the, maybe they'll be relevant to kids in bathtubs, but maybe not, right? Some of these, just because they're going corporate doesn't mean that they're going to stay around. It doesn't mean that they're going to be valued, right? That they're going to touch people's hearts in the same way. So sure. Does Disney have a shit ton of money that they can throw out the problem? Yeah. Can they fix problems and be meaningful still with that money? That's not a given. So, wait, I, I forgot. Is CBS a corporation or is CBS an independent artist collective? I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I, I, I just want to address lightsabers real quick. Uh, where Jared says nothing in Star Trek is as cool as lightsabers, and lightsabers may be trendy in the way that fidget spinners are for the last, you know, oh, few years. bullshit. They've been trendy for but, 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 but years. First of all, if anything is, and maybe it's not as culturally relevant as the lightsaber, there's the teleporter, which sure, when the lightsaber comes out, people will buy it like they bought Pokemon Go and they'll live out their dreams for a couple of weeks and then they'll move on. But when teleporters become a reality, it's going to transform the way society exists and we'll have lasting memory. In addition, the tricorder, while it doesn't cut shit in half, is currently being invented right now, inspired by Star Trek as a way to diagnose uh, medical problems. And that is going to fuck like stay in people's yes. cultural memory because it's saving lives it's, also yeah. you want to talk about virtual reality star trek invented the holodeck yeah. where it, before vr was a thing they completely imagined it uh, outside of the context of the headset and sure like star wars could have some cool vr games but already i'd like to bring up star trek bridge crew once more your honor <laughs> Ooh, i love that game um okay uh do y'all rest on that? Uh, I, one thing that'll oh. be very quick to say, um, I'm going to speak now. Um, <laughs> sorry, I feel bad I said that. But I'll say this. If it wasn't for Star Wars, we wouldn't have things right now like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It paved Gross. the way for some of the most popular things we have right now, and it's continued to do that. We will continue to talk about Star Wars and its legacy for years to come. And I know that my children's children's children. Solo will decide who gets to be like Han or Ray or Finn. I would also like to say that Rebecca has a very limited view of the how technology can actually uh, in, uh, can actually build on some of the foundations of Eastern philosophy. For example, people can have more rewarding meditative experiences by putting on their VR headset and being in a at the top of Mount Everest. You know where they uh, are. They can join a, a Buddhist monastery with a bunch of monks. Which you know when we all have nine to five jobs and got to pay the rent, I don't have time to go fucking join some Buddhist monasteries. But with vir virtual reality, I'll be able to enjoy the serenity of a Buddhist monk from the comfort of my own home. Hundred percent. All right, commodified Buddhist monks. I like it. That's that's a great future. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> so here is time for me to judge that round. To be totally honest, y'all went in a completely different direction than I'd anticipated. There were good <laughs> arguments, but I expected it to be more about, like, what kind of movies and TV shows were going to be coming out in 30 years. Y'all went in the direction of, of, of who is, which property is going to be more credited for futuristic technology, <laughs> I think. So it's like, uh, <laughs> the argument that I have now presented before me is is will people give Star Wars more credit for lightsabers and VR Buddhist temples than <laughs> the holodecks and futuristic space medicine? Well, Your the, Honor, the, the, the argument was also made that because of the connection with Disney, we'll be producing high-quality content for years to come. Yeah. Before I, he got into that. So I just want to you know say that my esteemed colleague did not lead with the My, my opponent's yeah. doing time. So, yeah, okay. I feel like this is unfair. So basically your main point is one of your your secondary point is that because Disney owns your property that there's a be better chance your property is more relevant in 30 years that's kind of what you're saying. The game's the game. Well, okay, taking everything to, into account, taking the holodeck, the s futuristic space medicine, the lightsabers, the VR Buddhist monk temple. I'm going to and Disney. I'm going to reluctantly have to give this round 
to Star Wars. Yeah. I I think it's wow. kind of cheating though because wow. I mean like what like like just because Disney owns your thing that exactly. makes it more relevant. I mean it's a yeah. technicality of an argument. Your Honor, but, we're reflect, we're reflecting on realities but here. But since I am an originalist and a textualist, um, I, and I read the question <laughs> here, it says convince me how you know you you answered the question. So I guess I got to give fair, it to your you. Honor. Despite thank you, your in Honor. In spite of my my wishes, you are okay. just and fair and true. Oh I am. Gosh. You two are intolerable. <laughs> <laughs> so. After, after the opening <laughs> arguments and the three questions, we are down to the lightning round, everybody. Oh, wow. All right? Okay. Now, the light, in the lightning round, I'm going to be asking you a, a series of questions that you all have literally less than 10 seconds to answer a piece. I don't want to oh, hear God. this. I don't want to go. I don't want uh, no 11 seconds. Okay. You got 10 seconds. Okay. And you can rack up a lot of points here. Uh, after all these rounds... We're here. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who's winning right now. I mean, if you've been following along at well, home, yeah, you can guess it. But, but uh, here we go. I'm going to begin. Are you, you, you going to decide who's, who's, answering? Who, who's, who's answering what? Are you going to? Is it just going to be me and Michael I'm talking gonna be, over each other? It, it's it's going to be when I yell your name Great. and then I okay. say a question. Okay. You better fucking answer it in ten okay. seconds. That's okay. a right? that's a fair and efficient system. All right. Some of you, uh, it, I'm going to be going around. Some of you might get. I might ask the same person the same question, but most of them are going to be just individual questions. All right, here we go, everybody. I I will be secretly marking down whether I agree with their with their point that they made in ten seconds and give them a point if I agree, and I won't give them a point if I don't agree. Okay, and moving on. The first question is first question, Alec. Who's smarter, Data or C three PO? Uh, Data has like the entirety of uh, humanity's knowledge in his brain, I believe. Uh, so I'm going to go with him. All right, Jared, who's smarter, Data or C3PO? C3PO can speak thousands of languages, and he is a robot who is constantly learning. And that's the thing; he doesn't have just a set memory box like mm -hmm. Data. He's constantly learning and constantly uh, in integrating the world around him. Okay, Star Trek gets that point. Uh... All right, next question, Mike. Who would win in a fight, George Lucas or Gene Rottenberry? <laughs> Easily George fucking Lucas. The guy is ruthless. We see it in his business practices and everything he's done in his freaking life. He would ruin him. Uh, Rebecca, who would oh win in a fight? Oh, my God. I mean, it's going to be Gene Roddenberry hands down, but he's going to Aikido the shit out of that guy. He is gonna, oh. He's going to passively receive that violence and then throw him to the ground. Does he know? Was it Steven Seagal? <laughs> okay. He's also dead, so he has nothing to lose. <laughs> Star Wars, you get that point. Woo! Ruthless business practices. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Jared, name four Star Wars planets. Uh, Naboo, Tatooine, Coruscant, and... Uh, uh, oh, uh... Hoth! Ah! Hoth! Well, you didn't get it in time, so... Uh, Alec, name three words in Klingon. Uh, Batak, uh, shit, uh, Kapla. <laughs> All right. Well, since Jared got Rebecca Jared got more of his, so uh, Star Wars. Gets but I can I can name more planets in yeah, Star that's Trek. Yeah, that's a that's a you didn't Mars, yeah. wasn't the question. <laughs> Unfortunately, that wasn't the question. But that's oh. okay. Your um, eminence is infallible. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so Rebecca. J.J. Abrams saves Star Trek, and then six years later, he saves Star Wars. They both have a combined box office of $2.5 billion. Why is your J.J. Abrams movie better? You have 10 seconds. Um, I think it's better because he... Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Can I get, get my like, do it over again? No. Um, Lightning round. No. All right. Mike Burns. Basically yes. say anything? Great. I think the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Wars are better all because they've resuscitated a franchise people thought were dead. They made a lot more money, and they've been a huge part of the cultural conversation. Even if it's a conversation that's fighting and negative, he stays in the zeitgeist. Wow. Good job. Okay, Star Wars, you get that point. Woo! You got to try Star Trek. Come on. I mean, I, uh, I, I hate those movies. I literally could not think of a single reason. <laughs> there is no trying. Either they, they do or do not. Do. Uh, that's why wise words from Yoda. This is like a, yeah, this is like a, this, I, re I recall that that's similar to the Jared's ant complaint about Superman and the ant. <laughs> I feel like that was an ant question. <laughs> hey, it's debate. You got to come up with an argument. Yeah, it's debate. Uh, 
I just want to answer it for posterity's sake. I'm not trying to get the point here, but I will say where uh, the force awakens is just a shot for shot remake of that fucking movie. Whereas at least the JJ Abrams, star Trek movies are different than the original star Trek. Well, it's too late, bro. Oh, I'm going to complain because I went to a restaurant <laughs> in Los Angeles and it was like a dish for dish remake of a lovely meal I had in Paris. So I don't like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I see that metaphor. Okay. <laughs> so, moving on. Next question. Alec, give me, in 10 seconds, your best Star Trek parody porn name. Yeah. Uh, can't touch this? No, fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Live long and fucker. All right. Good, uh, good job. Good job. All right. Jared, you have 10 seconds. Name your best Star Wars parody porn name. Go. Um, the, uh... The the orgy on Tatooine, <laughs> or, or sand sand in your cracks on Tatooine. Boo! Can't touch this wins that one. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. It's hilarious. That's MC Hammer. MC Hammer's never been in Star Trek. But what? But it, it's a point. It, it, you can you can make a sex thing out oh, of I it. I thought he said Kant. Like I'm like. Philosophy. Yeah, I thought he said well, yeah, Kant too. But oh wait, like, oh, I thought like, Manuel like, Kant is a character in Star Trek. I guess I was thinking of Khan. Yeah, I don't Con, think that's Khan. Yeah, that's what you meant, right? That's what you meant, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I meant Con. Con. I meant Con. Yeah, Con. But okay. I think Live Long and Fucker is better. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Well, hey, Star Trek's really good. good. <laughs> I'd watch Alrighty. that. Can I say what I would have said? Yeah, go for it. Lando Cal Lick Her Rim. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Jeez. All right, everybody. That's the end of the lightning round. So after opening statements, three questions, and the lightning round, the score right now is Star Trek Four. Star Wars 6. Woo! So you're down by two Star Trek, but luckily, the closing arguments we're about to give are worth three points. So it's anybody's game. Wow, I can't believe it worked like that. So, um, Star Wars, (laughs) Star Wars, you're going to give the first closing argument, then we're going to give the uh, final word to Star Trek, and go. Well, as I think that we've uh, exhibited quite clearly today, Star Wars is something that is able to succeed and reach people and inspire people through a multitude of platforms, and uh, it does so in a way that is continuing to revolutionize its relevance. It's shown elasticity not only within platforms, but within the content itself. Um, It's not uh, overly complicated. It is able to reach people on an individual level. It has uh, it has a very promising future. Uh, it can it will continue to increase its relevance not only socially but technologically, and uh, people still look forward to uh, the Star Wars's ability to teach us new things and to excite us in new ways. And uh, you bet your ass when new technologies come around, Star Wars is going to be leading the way in terms of uh, you know uh, ways to interact with worlds. There is not a world that is. Uh, that that people want to inhabit more than Star Wars. And to say a nice thing about our opponent, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. A beautiful thing about this. A beautiful thing about the Star Trek franchise is that it creates a home for the type of person whose only sense of self value and worth oh comes gosh. from their ability to understand obscure <laughs> and fundamentally meaningless references to science, technology, and ideas that will probably never exist. And I'm Ooh. glad those people have a home. Sweet. Objection, Your Honor. Wow, what an underhanded compliment. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Star Trek, for the fi- for the last word, let's hear your closing argument. I would just like to say that, uh, sure, uh, Star Wars may be more popular, sure, it may be uh, on the surface more entertaining, uh, but I think at the end of the day, Star Wars is a bad thing for people to watch because it gives them dumb ideas of how the world works, where Star Trek gives you a complex and difficult uh, engagement with the world and how it works that can inform, you know, your politics or your life or could inspire you to become a scientist. I'm sure maybe you can find one or two uh, scientists who have been inspired by Star uh, Star Wars, but you can find dozens and dozens of scientists who have been inspired by Star Trek. So I could just say that Star Trek is literally making the world a better place. Uh, In addition to that, the characters are are better they don't fall apart when they're replaced by new actors uh even when jj abrams ruins it functionally the fans are still sticking around because they're good wholesome people and and, Star, um, and star wars allows uh and star trek actually has an infinite amount of characters they don't have to just continue recycling stories about old characters that people like they can cre- continually create new characters over and over again because their world is basically limitless 
And as we go in the future, as Captain Picard gets a new show and, you know, there's going to be a ton of new Star Trek episodes, I hope that everyone listening will come watch this. And as far as something nice to say about Star Wars, I don't know, would you like to take that, yeah, Rebecca? Maybe I something can, I think I, a little less yeah, underhanded? I can think of a lot of underhanded things, but maybe one of them would uh, would just be that I think that it's maybe finally kind of nice that Star Trek, Star Wars is including like non-white characters and non like yeah i think that non-heteronormative non-white characters in their movies are finally like a really nice thing to see and i think they're just kind of following star trek like maybe 50 60 70 years later but but still it's nice to see them eventually so i think that's good yeah it's horrible that uh, i think that's that a coast, change and adapted. coastal elitism <laughs> also the infinite characters things like golden corral has an infinite number of options for me to eat but either way i'm still and shitting golden my corral pants. is great oh I, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, Your Honor, you have the floor. So, thank you. Just first off, both both teams, give yourselves a round of applause. I mean, um, the, you both made great arguments. This is for Michael. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is also for Rebecca and Alec. It's been very fun listening to you do this, and I really appreciate the uh, competition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mostly to the judge, though. I can't I, tell if you're being sarcastic. The judge is just... <laughs> so... Like I said, before the final closing arguments, it was six to four, all right? Now, you both made pretty good arguments at the end, some better than others. In terms of your compliment, Mike gave basically a, a diss as a compliment. What? Um, and then, Rebecca, I really appreciated the genuineness of your compliment to the Star Wars uh, uh, but but that aside, I'm judging this based on the closing arguments. What was the merits of the closing arguments, okay? And as I said before, as a small child in a bathtub, I didn't understand Star Star Trek. I knew it was for adults and shit, you know, was supposed to be deep and stuff, but I just didn't get it. You know, and then, but if, like all kids, you grow up and just Star Wars is a part of life. Everyone likes it. To Jared's point, it's impactful. A pizza is a pizza, even if it's simple. You know, if, if everyone likes it, then God damn it, that has value, right? Shouldn't that mean it's better? Well, no. I don't think it does. Because I, I, I believe that the very compelling argument that Alec and Rebecca oh, made about, about who get the better— the, the real question is what does better mean, okay? Better doesn't mean everyone on fucking Earth likes it. That is, just because everyone eats a pizza doesn't mean pizza's better than fucking caviar or calamari or whatever something really nice and expensive is that people <laughs> eat. Okay? So when I look at the word better here, I'm going to go with Alec and Rebecca's definition of the word yeah. better and give the three points to Star Trek. Star wow. Trek is officially better than Star Wars. Yay. Woo, baby! Oh, yeah, yeah. caviar for there the win. It's a win for the Koch brothers, really, yeah. I think. Elitism. Us elitists <laughs> over here. The moneyed you know, upper classes, yeah. Take yeah. all those Star Wars lunchboxes, you want toys, you know. Like, we over here in the Star Trek corner now know that we are officially better than you. I'm in your corner now, Alec. Wow. I'm officially not a, 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 a non somewhere a, an impartial judge. A kid in a bath is crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, I think the, I think Star the, Trek. The closing argument. The closing argument is worth too many points, Your Honor. Yeah, but that, I'm gonna. That's I'm, just how it is in the Constitution. We're though. humble people because what a Jedi knows is sometimes you have to lose. Like when Obi Wan chooses to not strike back. Um, he knows that he's doing something greater. So right now, congratulations to you all. Yeah. And we are respectfully turning off our sabers and falling into our cloaks. I and mean, uh, <laughs> I have, I have no, as a true, like a true Jedi, I have no desires, including the desire to win. I, I actually think that as somebody who likes both, uh, who likes both properties, I think, I mean, it's, it's when I have to choose, it's Star Trek hands down. But I also think like that, that even making them fight seems to like maybe go against the principles of definitely the Star Trek universe and probably the Star Wars universe too. So I think been you, can so like hard them, for us. you can like them both. Um, and, and live and long and prosper. Be, and that should be okay. Yeah, live long and prosper. Absolutely. I would also just like this opportunity to ask everyone to go watch Wrath of Khan because yes, it's a great movie. Yes, it is. Now, now that we've decided which so is better. So good. It's all right. Okay, and remember, that was just the judge's reward. That was just my opinion. And if you think it was total bullshit, you can go on to the Patreon page and you can vote for who you think won, Star Wars or Star Trek, even though the court has decided that Star Trek won. All right, everybody. Well, that about wraps it up here on the Show Me the Meaning podcast. I hope you've had a good, informative day here uh, digging into the star franchises that we've all come to know and love. That'll be it. 
See you next time at the debate. And goodbye from Hollywood, California. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper. And also with you. Live long and prosper. Kapla. Peace.